0: Uh, good morning. Uh, Jason called me yesterday said, can you fill in for me? And I was in Alabama uh, with my wife's family. And so it was uh, last minute, but I've kind of been working on something with my family. Uh, we do the Advent Candles. Uh, throughout the Christmas season and tonight we're closing it up and so I've been working on something so hopefully uh, this will bless you as much as it's blessed me and uh, thank you guys for your prayers Uh, I know you guys have been praying for my oldest daughter Uh, she came home this week flew in from Germany and she's been gone for almost a year and so happy to finally meet my wife's, uh, daughter's fiance. Uh, so, uh, that was interesting. Um, when she dropped that bomb on us, Hey dad, when we come home this for Christmas, uh, I'm going to get married. And I was like, Oh really? Uh, you, I, I'm, what's his name? Um, but he is a really awesome guy and, uh, thankful that God has brought Christian men into my daughter's lives and that's really cool and they plan on serving full-time on the mission field in Indonesia Uh, in about a year they'll leave for the mission field but this morning we're going to stay in Genesis for the most part uh, at least for the first part of it in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 talks about how uh, Adam and Jesus. Uh, Adam is the first man, and Jesus is the second Adam. And then you get into Romans 5, and Romans 5 talks about how uh, Jesus is taking Adam's spot. Adam brought sin into the world. Jesus brought salvation into the world. And I'll just read this. Uh, You don't have to turn there. Romans 5, 12 through 14 says, So I used to do landscaping for a living. Uh, It was very hot job in Birmingham, Alabama and in the summer, and we would cut grass for colleges and large apartment complexes. And it got me to thinking as Adam is called to take care of the garden, I don't think Adam was called to just be a horticultural, horticulturalist. He was called to take care and manage. The garden in a way that honored God. And what does that look like? Uh, as a husband, I'm called to take care of my family, but that's not just to put food on a table. It's bigger than that. And so God called Adam to do something much bigger. And the what we're going to look at is how Adam failed in Christ won. Adam failed in Christ won. So Adam is a prophet. And Growing up uh, in different churches, I always thought that being a prophet was somebody who simply foretold things, somebody who is almost like a fortune teller type of a person. But being a prophet is somebody who projects the word of God to whoever's listening. It could be me as a husband projecting the word of God to my family. And if uh, I hope and pray that Uh, the dads and granddads and everybody are doing devotions with their kids at night and praying with their kids at night because, I mean, the Bible tells us to train up our kids in the admonition of the Lord. And Adam is there trying to be a prophet in the Garden of Eden, but that raises another question. Who's Adam being a prophet to? Because there's nobody there at the beginning, except Adam and a bunch of animals. And I look at my life, uh, I like to get away from people sometimes and get off by myself. Uh, When I was going through a hard time in my life, uh, I took three months off from the ministry and sat out in the woods in my hammock three days a week, and it was the most awesome time ever, but that doesn't classify me as a prophet because I like to hang in my hammock. So Genesis 2.19, if y'all could turn there, we'll be in Genesis 2 a lot. So what classifies Adam as being a prophet? So out of the ground, Genesis 2.19, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called them, every living creature that was its name. Generally speaking, it's the prerogative of the creator to name his creation. It's the, uh, the artist to name his painting. And, but God didn't take that opportunity to do that. He handed that opportunity over to Adam and said, I want you to name every creature, every living thing, and god handed that over to him and that is what gives adam the opportunity to be called a prophet he spoke the words of god and named all the beasts of the field and everything and what an opportunity to be 100 percent selected by god to do that number two adam is a priest how can you be a priest uh Throughout the Old Testament, we read how the high priests were the only ones who would go into the presence of God inside the Holy of Holies. And, and then after Jesus died, the temple veil was ripped and the Holy of Holies were no more. But inside, in Genesis chapter 3, inside the garden, it uh, says that, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they knew God so well that they heard his footsteps. Now, if you ever get the chance to come over to my house down in the basement, whenever a family member walks down the stairs, you can hear them from a mile away. And I can tell who's walking down the stairs. Justice like 90 miles an hour. I mean, he just takes off. And and if I go before him down the stairs, he's like right on my tail, just about to knock me over. Uh, N- Lydia, she's kind of a ninja going down because she's gotten used to me hiding behind the corner of the stairs and scaring her half to death. And so she goes down really quietly. Jeremy, I can hear him coming down the stairs uh, because he always says something weird. Uh, coming down the stairs. <laughs> but because Adam and Eve were created sinless, they were able to walk directly with God in his holiness. If you remember back when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, he couldn't look at God's holiness, but God allowed him to look at his shadow, at his back. and But Adam and Eve were able to walk With God throughout there and then you know uh, that in the cosmos of the temple that Eden is the garden sanctuary of what does what every sanctuary needs and every sanctuary needs a priest and in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it Now, in our language, that doesn't sound like God made Adam and Eve, Adam the priest of the garden. But when you look at the Hebrew of those two verses, of that verse, it says in Numbers uh, 3, 7, and 8, And the priest shall keep his charge in the charge of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of the congregation to do the service of the tabernacle. And they shall keep all the instruments of the tabernacle of the congregation and the charge of the children of Israel to do the service of the tabernacle. And so in the Hebrew, the, the words there, uh, the verbs translate to serve and to guard. And you got to remember back that Moses wrote... The first five books of the Bible. So Moses is writing this in a language that the children of Israel will understand. And so when he says to keep charge, to serve, to watch over it, then he, all these children of Israel are understanding exactly what he's saying. And they put it within the context of Adam being the priest of the garden. And you also have to understand that they The children of Israel were in Egypt for 400 years and they held pagan rituals. I mean, they just came out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea and then they build an idol. They didn't know much about God. They didn't have the Bible back then. And so Moses is trying to write a description of what it looks like to worship one God. And Adam is there being the priest in the garden and then lastly number three adam is a king and you wonder how can you be a king when there's nobody to rule over and what gives him his royal status well the king uh in verse uh genesis 126 then god said which we just read let us make man in our image uh After our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And one of the biggest things about Adam being the prophet, priest, and king is because when we go to uh, Romans, it says that Jesus is the second Adam. And then you go to Ephesians 5 and it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. That's not talking about just dying, guys. That's what I was taught growing up, is as long as the husband is willing to die for his wife, that constitutes husbands loving your wives. But I've met a lot of husbands that don't treat their wives good and their wives are living in hell, but they're willing to die for them. And so there's a lot more to this story than just doing this. In order for Adam to hold and maintain these three offices, there had to be an established order in place. There had to be something bigger than just Adam doing this, because what's the purpose of having Adam as the prophet, priest, and king without there being something in place for Adam to say, I'm going to prophesy this, I'm going to rule over this? There had to be something bigger that God already knew. Which he talks about in Ephesians chapter one, second Timothy chapter one, where it says, God chose us before the foundations of the world. God had already laid out everything. And then in Isaiah, where it talks about uh, Satan being kicked out of heaven, God put Adam as the prophet, priest, and king, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, already knowing that Adam was going to fail because Adam was not designed to be our savior he was designed to bring glory to God and the thing that brought glory to God was for Adam to fail and Christ to reign supreme Adam failed in a perfect environment I mean you you would think that if anybody could win at doing at living a perfect life it'd be Adam because he had everything but Adam failed and so many times I've heard people say, well, if I was Adam, then I, I would have done, I would have lived it up out there. I mean, good night. I mean, you had the entire garden to do whatever you wanted to. You didn't have much of a football team, but you could do whatever you wanted to out there and running with all the animals. And man, that'd just be so cool. Perfect food, all that stuff. But before time began, the Holy Trinity had already laid out a plan for Jesus to perfectly hold all three offices. I mean, in Ephesians 1, I mean, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have already laid out this plan for Jesus to be the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And Jesus is not a reactionary God, but he is a very proactive God. And he sits there and goes... I want to bring all glory to God. Jesus didn't do miracles just to do miracles. He did miracles to point people to God. He didn't want people to idolize himself. And Jesus did not set up, uh, do as I say, but not as I do. Relationship. Jesus came to earth to subject himself to the law and show that he was the only person who could fulfill the law. So Jesus is prophet. Man, I can't wait to preach this to my oldest son who's not a believer tonight. Um, Jesus is prophet. Remember, prophets were tasked with speaking God's word to people. In the Old Testament, this included both proclaiming God's truth to others and revealing God's plan for the future. Some of the prophets also performed miracles and healings. But there is never a miracle that pointed people back to worship Jesus, the human. They always pointed people to worship Jesus. I mean, when Jesus is walking on the water in the middle of that storm and the disciples are sitting there and their boat's about to sink and Jesus gets into the boat and he says, peace be still. They go, who is this that controls the winds and the waves? It pointed people to God. They started worshiping God right there in the boat. Peter didn't know what to do. He had just about sunk and God had to save him. And you look at that and you go, "Wow." Jesus was both object of the message and the proclaimer of the message. Throughout the Old Testament, there were prophets, there were priests and there were kings, but there was nobody else that ever served all three offices or even two of the offices. A priest didn't try to be a a prophet because that wasn't his job. He didn't try to be king because that wasn't his job. They were okay with where God had called them. God proclaimed, but Jesus, there's no other place in the Bible where Jesus came to the earth and he was the object of all the prophecies of the Old Testament, all the messages of the Old Testament because the message of the Old Testament was looking forward to the cross of Jesus Christ and now we're looking back but Jesus walked the earth with fulfilling and prophesying. John 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus, uh, every word that came out of his mouth was God's word. And Jesus is the word of God. He does not simply speak the word of God as a mere human prophet, but is himself the word made flesh. He is the final word, the ultimate revelation of God. And I love the book of hebrews and it's really grown on me uh the last few years but hebrews 1 1 and 2 uh, gives almost like a uh, the covenant of redemption right there at the beginning in the past god spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things And through whom also he made the universe. The people of Jesus' day referred to him as a prophet many times, and Jesus also referred to himself as a prophet. And that's, sometimes we look at that and we go, oh, well, that's Jesus doing that. But you got to understand that a lot of these people grew up with Jesus. Uh, That'd be like us jeremy getting up here and saying i'm i'm the messiah i mean we'd be like you need to get down jeremy (laughs) but we jesus got up there and prophesied that he was the messiah and they started calling him the messiah he separated himself from the religious leaders of his day jesus taught the word of god often speaking in parables the people were, uh, Mark one twenty two. the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. They were teaching to hold people under the law, but Jesus taught in a way that freed people from the law, that let them go from it, that pointed people to God and uh, pointed them to Jesus. Ma'am, Jesus prophesied his own prophecies. Uh, Pending the death and resurrection, Jesus prophesied Judas' betrayal. Jesus prophesied Peter's denial. And Peter even said, I'm not going to do that. He said, wait and see. He predicted the coming of the Holy Spirit, the persecution of his followers. In Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the persecuted. And the destruction of the temple that happened in 70 AD. Even though all the people in that world at that time said, No, nobody can tear down this temple. In 70 AD, it happened. Perhaps the most encouraging for believers today is Jesus prophesied his coming return. Wow. And Jesus was a prophet. Like many of the Old Testament prophets, Jesus performed many healings and miracles. He compared himself to Elijah and Elisha. The people of Nazareth rejected Jesus, but Jesus prophesied that he would be rejected, and he prophesied that we would be rejected if we we teach about him. And you look at all these pastors and preachers and evangelists these days that People love and adore, and then you look at them and go, are they preaching the word of God? Because the word of God divides, and it separates sin from the righteous. And when you preach God, you're going to be hated. You're going to be talked about. And every time something happens in our, at our house or something like that, Naomi always corrects me. Sometimes more sternly than others but she always corrects me and says this is what we should expect when we talk when we go to motels and we try to get our foot in the motel so that we can start doing ministry at some of these motels and we get run off sometimes cussed at different things we should expect that because we're going there to preach God's word and But what what keeps us going, What, what, what pushes us to preach God and preach his word? It's because we know that God is coming back for us. We know that God is going to establish his kingdom. We know that there's something bigger than what we have right here, right now. Lastly, Jesus is priest. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy two five, And Hebrews, which I love, details how Jesus became our high priest. Uh, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, There is nothing we can do to earn salvation because salvation is not found in us, but in God's righteousness. We can come to God and talk directly to God without going through a high priest, not because of anything that we did. But it's all because of what Jesus did. Brian Chapel says, Jesus loves us not because we are good, but because he is. Jesus is not our ultimate high priest because we are the ultimate congregation. He is our high priest because he is holy, righteous, and perfect. He is our high priest because there is no one else in all of the past, present, and future that could ever fill this position. That's what we want out of a high priest. That's why we come here and worship God. That's why we go out and share people not to convince them of that of their need of salvation but we're going out and talking about how much we love our God how much we love worshiping God during Christmas because he brought a Savior that we could not save ourselves we needed a lifeguard and he saved us I was dead in my trespasses I was wicked there was nothing I could do I was not seeking God, and God reached down and pulled me up and breathed life into me. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. Jesus as king. The nation of Israel rejected God as their king, and they said, We don't want you to be our king anymore. I've had, uh, our oldest daughter was a really tough person to raise. Uh, thank the Lord God opened her eyes. But when one of your kids calls you different names that you probably wouldn't like to be called or uh, does things that you're like, mm, that, wow, it's hard. And God, his people the nation of israel openly chose to reject god as their king and they said we don't want you to be our king anymore in fact we not only want don't want you to be our king anymore we want to be like the pagan nations that are around us and we want a human king and God, through Samuel, said, Well, if you choose to go in this direction, this is what's going to happen to you. The king is going to take your daughters and marry them. He's going to take your land, and they're going to become his vineyards, his pastures, and just a big list of what's going to happen if they chose to go in this direction. They said, We don't care. We want this human king. We don't want you to tell us. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it we go to church i went to church for 17 years but then finally god opened my eyes to my need for him we can be around all of god's people and most people in the united states have heard about jesus christ a lot of them have a lot of them have gone to church while they're young a lot of them gone to bbs they've they've done all these things but they don't know how to live the christian life because the light has not pierced their soul and until god opens their eyes it doesn't matter they would rather have a created being than their as their king than the creator The office of the king in the Old Testament is illustrated by David. And then David, uh, when the angel came to Gabriel, uh, the promise was fulfilled in Messiah, who was also given the title Son of David. Jesus is the Son of David, the rightful king, as it's mentioned in Matthew 1. All Israel was just an avenue to get the Son of God here to earth to save us. And we were reading the Advent devotions and it talked about how the shepherds were the lowliest profession ever in that in that time frame. All of the criminals, everybody who nobody could get a job with these people, they went out and became shepherds. And who did the angels show up to? The shepherds. And then you look at the wise man, the star, Gentiles. Could have come from China, could have come from Iran, Persia. I mean, we don't know exactly how far they traveled, but God showed up to Gentiles. He didn't show the Jews the star. He showed Muslims the star. Matthew 3, 2 says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus has always been king, whether the children of Israel wanted them to be their king or not. And he, we don't have to, Jesus has always been sovereign. Just because they had a different king than God from that point moving forward doesn't mean he lost his sovereignty. He has always been king. The son of David would be a ruler over God's people and also their their deliverer. The Jews of Jesus' time expected a political king. Instead, Jesus conquered sin and death. Sometimes our plans are not what Jesus wants. It's not what his plan was. He set the plan in motion before the hands of time began, and he gave us the ultimate gift. His sign came down from heaven, clothed in flesh, John 1:14, and he gave himself... To show us how we should live, he kept the law, all 613 points of the law, he kept perfectly so that he could be the perfect sacrificial lamb. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And when we start taking, our belief starts to crumble when we start taking away his sovereignty. And when we think, oh, if I can just do this, I can make God love me more. God loved us more than we could ever imagine before the earth was even created. We can't make God love us anymore because God is love. Jesus, hanging on the cross, said, it is finished. Didn't mean he just finished. He's clocking out of his earthly ministry. Because the earthly ministry was not. He's throughout the Old Testament. He's throughout the New Testament. And Jesus dying on the cross was just a chapter in his, in his story. The, the Bible is God's redemption story of how he comes to save us. He did not say this simply because he came to die. He accomplished what Adam could not. That's what he finished adam could not live perfect holy redemptive lives and so he god came and showed how awesome and holy he is what is the chief end of man the chief end of man is to glorify god and enjoy him forever during this christmas season we need to remember that we are not just celebrating the birth of jesus we're celebrating the king of kings and lord of lords showing off his holiness in such a way that there was no question who was to be the Messiah. I mean, you, you read the Gospels, and when they had a God encounter, when Peter threw that net over the side of the boat and caught all those fish, you could, I just imagine you could look in Peter's face and go, he had no doubt who Jesus was at that point. When Jesus turned the water into wine, they're sitting there like, wow. He had, they had no doubt who Jesus was. When he walked across the waters, when he fed the 5,000 people, all these different miracles that he did, people looked at him and said, This is the Messiah. This is who the prophets have been talking about throughout the Old Testament. The virgin birth and the fulfillment of the prophecy in Genesis 3, which we just talked about in Sunday school. The angels showing up to the shepherds and the star to the wise men. Jesus, our prophet, priest, and king is the reason we celebrate Christmas. It's because Jesus did what Adam could not. And that's the beauty of Christmas. It's not about presents. Even though I like to give presents, I like to surprise people with presents, but that is not the reason. I've never been to a birthday party where everybody else got presents but the birthday kid, but we, we love to give our kids presents, and we love to uh, talk about Jesus, but during this Christmas time, please, I encourage you to take time to Focus on Jesus because he is the only thing that matters. Earthly things will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. As I I want to close out in prayer and then whoever's going to pick up can come up here after that and we'll finish up the service. Dear God, you are awesome and powerful. God, thank you for doing what we could not. We are not capable of being perfect You are. I'm not capable of being the perfect prophet, priest, and king, but you were and you are. God, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Thank you for this time of year where we can focus on why you came and what you accomplished. God, send us out today to be missionaries to our communities, to uh, prophesy to tell of what you've done in our place that we are not righteous but you are we are not holy but you are and we cannot do anything without you that's good thank you for everything that you've done in your name amen